Hello, diary listeners. This week, I'm very excited to introduce to you all my good friend, John Simmons of Eden Health. He's my acupuncturist and an incredible human. This is actually going to be a two-week spotlight on him. And this is the first part, which we are calling Upstream. Upstream will be part one of my time with John Simmons. Enjoy, listeners. Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. <laughs> I know we did that that whole extensive sound check, but I, I do have to warn people moving ahead as they listen to this podcast. I did this for the first time in a long time on site at John's uh, John's place. And uh, we tried to control the environment about as much as we could, but the air kept kicking on. So when that happens, they're going to hear this this sound in the background. And I do apologize that the audio of this podcast isn't the greatest, but hopefully if you followed this podcast this long, it won't bother you that much at all. Again, enjoy, listeners. Hello, diary listeners. I'm here today with my good friend and acupuncturist, John Simmons, and he actually owns and operates EdenHealthMD.com, and that's his own business where you basically do all manner of things, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, do you want to extend on that? I mean, I do a little bit of a commercial for you, but... Oh, yeah. No, it's... Uh... Basically, it's holistic health. Uh, I work with a lady called Charlotte, who's absolutely amazing. She does massage, she does lymphatic drainage, post-op care, and all that sort of thing. Her husband, Ali, is also amazing. And uh, he does Thai massage. Uh, He does pressure point therapy, all this sort of thing. I do acupuncture, infrared therapy, microneedling for acne, hair loss, rejuvenation, and uh, removal of scars. So... Uh, it's multifaceted and we pretty much handle everything that you can throw at us and a lot of people come at the uh, the end of their search for the ultimate therapy and of course they go backwards on a timeline instead of starting at the one that's been around longest they start at the one that's been around the shortest amount of time and so we end up unscrewing a lot of people's problems so it's always been my experience that's how it works it's and where are you located, just so everyone knows? Yeah, we're in Cockeysville on Scott Adam Road. Okay, wonderful. Cockeysville, Maryland. And it's a cute little place. Um, yep, beautiful. smells nice. People come in, they go, ooh, it smells really, really mm-hmm. wholesome, which it does. Yep, and I, I've known you since jujitsu, which was a few years ago. And oh my uh, goodness, that's ancient history, really, isn't it? I mean, unfortunately, I'm, I'm sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that it. was eight years ago. Yeah, but I w- people were raving about you even then, because um, Ryan uh, at, ah. at uh, um, 
ground control. He was like, oh man, if you want some epic healing, go to John. Well, that's very kind of him to say so. Well, it was true. I mean, here I am. Uh, <laughs> I still, well, and the, and the thing that drew me to you is that, like you had started out saying, most people start with the shortest amount of time of like conception of our idea of health instead mm. of the oldest. Yeah. And uh, I grew up in the beauty industry, but more than that, my dad got into medicine and um, or holistic healing, uh, massage rather, not medicine, um, but for his own health and well-being always an athlete um, and the second oldest profession in the world is barbering like you know giving haircuts and managing basic hygiene so uh, I think from there it just kind of started his path during that and I grew up around it so I was just like a you know I had no idea how unique my upbringing was mm. as a product of growing up around all of that I thought that this is I thought that this is what people knew yeah. And it kind of amazes me sometimes uh, how people need to be sold on the more holistic route. It's crazy. I mean, it's shocking. The thing is, uh, the analogy that I always give is, uh, do you remember the pet rock? People go, oh, yeah. Well, if they're you know old enough, they do from the 90s or whatnot. And I go, well, is that still around? No. Well, there you go. That's testimony to the fact that if something doesn't work, it doesn't stick around. So there's, you know, arguments about how old acupuncture is, but two to four thousand years and you've probably hit it uh, roughly on the head. And uh, then, you know, people don't seem to remember that modern medicine was forged on the battlefield. So think about the Napoleonic Wars, people uh, hit with grape shot, getting their uh, legs uh, sawn off and cauterized. That's where the old term sawbones comes from. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they give you a maybe a shot of rum and a twig to chew on and the people that hold you down well they just went at you with a handsaw uh, cauterize the wound uh, carbolic acid if there was any around burn the stump stop the bleeding and there you go and it, i mean it got got even more like brutal i think before it got better too because then it went into like those theaters right like where they they like they were just totally experimenting. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, I don't know if you remember that. Do you remember that uh, there was a TV show set in turn of the century in New York with Clive Owen? Yes. And he, What was it called? It was amazing, though. It was amazing. And then that was back in the day, which modern medicine seems to conveniently forget everybody was on heroin and cocaine because it's yes. good for you. Yes. Well, it helps numb you. Right. But, I mean, I think... <laughs> I think they weren't using it for that purpose. Anyway, so no. <laughs> Clive Owen, who I really like. Clive Owen, you can always tell Clive Owen because he speaks a little bit like this. And the, they said he was going to be a James Bond, but I think that was just a career uh, boost for him. I don't think he was ever in the running. But um, talking about James Bond, who's your favourite James Bond? Oh, I, I like the... Well, it's hard, man, because I really do... Um, his the OG. Um, his Sh- name is Skate. Sean Connery. Yes, I do love him, um, but I I kind of like the more modern guy the best, honestly. Timothy. I don't know no. his name. Timothy Dalton. But he was in a version of Mall Flanders. Oh okay. Uh, and I kind of fell in love with him there because he was kind of, he was ultimately the guy that she fell in love with because mm. he was just as much of a swindler as her. Right. And he just had this like, he's. I don't know. 
he looks like a kind of guy who gets hit in the face, whereas Sean Connery does yeah. not. Yeah, he looks like the guy who does the hitting. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, and, you know. let me digress just another time. Uh, did you ever see that interview they did with Barbara Walters where he talks about slapping his girlfriends? No. No, okay, you gotta, you got to look at that. It's on YouTube, and there's Barbara Walters trying to uh, shame him. <laughs> and... Uh, so basically saying, uh, well, don't you think that this is wrong? And he says, no, I don't think it is. <laughs> and she says, well, why is that? And he says, well, sometimes you have, a, you have a discussion and they want to be right and you let them be right and then they want to be right again. <laughs> but if you look around, you see it's like two minutes and it's classic. It's definitely not aged well. Uh, not that it ever aged well at all. Uh, even back when it was uh, originally recorded. But, uh, yeah, Sean Connery, I don't know. It's what... still accurate. I mean, Rico still sends me memes to this day or <laughs> videos where just like, you know, it's it's basically just uh, tolerating, <laughs> tolerating how much I want to be right. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I'm, well... I'm glad. Because he'd kill me. Like, <laughs> like a slap from him would... That would not that would not go over well, and then he would be right, but we would not be together. No, because he'd be in, <laughs> he'd be in prison. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, you might get one from me where we don't, no one goes to jail, but we won't be together anymore. Yeah. Well, we don't we, we don't want Rico uh, getting out of control and uh, no. you know not have, not having the opportunity to benefit from this wonderful relationship. He's a wonderful guy, Rico. He is, he is, but he is he is kind of old school with that that man. But I mean, you know, he doesn't act on any of it, but like if you were to let the internal dialogue, it would be very Sean Connery esque. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. sure. I'm like just let it go. So, uh, going back to the original point. So, Clive Owen was in this uh, series about the evolution of medicine. It was um, in New York City and there was a particular hospital and um, look it up while you're yeah, talking yeah. about it. And so he was experimenting with the surgery and uh, he decided that what he was going to do was use himself as the model. So he was sitting on the examinating as the examination table uh, or the operating table I should probably say and uh, he's he gave himself some opium to you know numb the pain which is obviously not a good idea if you're operating on yourself. And, uh, well, I won't spoil it, but you can imagine where it goes with that. The Nick. The Nick. That's what it was. Was it St. Nicholas Hospital or something like that? Yeah. K-N-I-C-K. The mm. Nick. It was really good. Oh, the Knickerbocker. The Nick, yes. And it was kind of interesting back in that time, which I didn't realize this, but... Um, Back at that time, the ambulances were their own independent thing too. They weren't they weren't actually hired or utilized through the hospital, so it was very competitive to be an ambulance driver. Oh, okay. And that was also like a side a side thing that people don't realize about our modern medical system is that it wasn't as all like you know, you had people that would like 
rush in and, and there would be this competition to to get somebody to the hospital and how nefarious that could get. So how, in the same way that uh, attorneys are often referred to as ambulance chasers, the ambulance yes. people were uh, operating on uh, information for which they would pay so yep. they could pick up bodies. Well, there's one of the ambulance drivers is this uh, character is really enjoyable to watch. is big, bearded... Um, Irishman, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, he is part expands throughout the show, but you know you can tell that people liked him, so they brought him back. Yes, yeah, and of course there was a whole component that was very real too about race and and people of different races getting oh, yeah. into physician work, and you know it was all separate. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that goes back to uh, well, I guess flash forward to uh, Vivian Thomas. Mm-hmm. So Vivian Thomas worked under. Blakelock, I believe it was, and uh, so Blakelock was a hospital at, uh, sorry, he was a physician at Johns Hopkins when he was Presbyterian. I don't know if you've ever been in there, but if you go downtown, you go to the entrance to the main hospital, there's a big statue of Jesus, it's about 14 feet high, made of marble, and that was uh, from the original days. So Johns Hopkins was a tremendously devout Presbyterian. And, uh, you know, it is upon his laurels that the currently somewhat floundering institution uh, barely remains afloat as of this day. But, um, uh, so, Blakelock, I believe his name was Blakelock, and there's a TV show with uh, Kieran Hines, I think his name is. But anyway, you could look it up. And uh, Vivian Thomas uh, was African-American who was tremendously gifted and he became legitimized through this uh, very highly reputable physician and he became his advisor whilst he was doing surgery. So it's funny actually because my kid's grandfather worked with him and uh, I believe met them both. Really? Yeah, yeah. So he's like the Forrest Gump of um, Baltimore medicine. That's really cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, uh, a dramatization of the relationship between heart surgery pioneers Alfred Balak. Blaylock. Blaylock. Blaylock? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And Vivian Thomas, a dramatization of the relationship between heart surgery pioneers. Uh, uh, something the Lord made. Yes. So TV movie. You have That's to, really cool. No, you've got to watch it. I mean, I, you don't have to do anything, of course, but I highly <laughs> recommend that you watch it because not only does it have... Uh, a lot of history about Baltimore, but it's also the first significant integration of African-Americans into the predominantly um, white Christian medical system. And it was really enjoyable to watch, entertaining, and also get a little bit of history under your belt to, uh, you know, sort of counter the uh the nonsense that we're exposed to all day yeah. every day with social media and whatnot but uh so blaylock i think actually died of bladder cancer so um Bummer. yeah my kid's grandfather i think operated on him he was a smoker as well here you go here's another thing smoking people associate with lung cancer but it's primarily associated with bladder cancer oh. yeah so there's a little bit of a nugget of information interesting yeah interesting that's really interesting so, i find like the knockout uh is when you combine smoking with drinking well there's eddie, eddie van halen syndrome right yeah so you get the uh the constant dryness and heat which is exacerbated by the alcohol and it causes 
metaplasia and then dysplasia. So the cells start to malform mm. and that's when you get cancer. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, if you think about it, it's a horrible thing that Eddie Van Halen died when he did because he's such a massive contributor to modern rock music. But it's like every time you watch a video with him, he's smoking a cigarette. Yeah. And you could also see, I think it was, he got sober about 10 or 12 years before he passed away. Uh-huh. And then you can see that before he got sober, his teeth were brown and then they were white. So he went and got his teeth fixed. Yep. Because yep. I guess. Well, at least he had nice teeth at the end. Yeah, yeah. That's good. And he, and, he, and his haircut was a little bit more realistic. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, still rocking to him to this day. I mean, as long as you uh, burn that candle very bright. Oh, yeah. Well, I saw a friend the other day, and he was telling me about, there's a book called Eruption, which is a uh, visual documentary of Eddie Van Halen. Uh, Was was it made by two fans, or am I, I think I'm uh, conflating a documentary as well. But anyway, so the book Eruption, I've yet to check it out. I couldn't find it anywhere, just uh, on a cursory look on the internet. But um, if you like Eddie Van Halen, I hear that's a really good one. By the way, here you go. I saw um, John. Um, what's the name of the guy who used to do the? T- was it the Today Today Show? Oh, John um, Oliver. No, no, no. 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 He's a Jewish guy, very centrist and sort of anti. Not John an- Mayer. No. no. He's, I he think did, Bill Mayer. He did a uh, talk show. He's a comedian as well. Yes, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I can think. I can see his face. Terrible. I can't think of his name. Daily Show. But anyway, he was wow. he was doing. Uh, I'm, I'm useless for names today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing too well myself. You're doing great. No, I don't think actually. so. Thank you. You've already you know, you've already quoted a few things that so we had to look up. John something. Um, John of the Daily Show. Was it the Daily? It might not have been the Daily Show though. But anyway, he was doing something with Dave Chappelle. He did a presentation. I think Dave Chappelle got an award, and he was doing the presenting of it. And he was there. Stewart. There you go, John Stewart. Love that it's guy. Two names, yeah. And yeah. Um, so he's he's on stage and uh, obviously he'd not he'd been out of circulation for a bit because I think he stepped down because he he wasn't tying the party line with uh, Hollywood and whatnot because he didn't have, you know, I don't think he was necessarily supporting the views that were um, required of him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he's on stage and he says, "Yeah, I know you've not seen me uh, for a while," and yes, I know. I'm Jewish, we age like avocados. So I laughed at that and I thought, hey, David Lee Roth aged like an avocado too. He looks like one of the Skeksis from The Crystal Maze. Yes. 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 Another one that not a lot of people, I mean, I guess Dark Crystal's a little bit more. Oh, is it Dark Crystal? Dark Crystal. Oh, okay, sorry. Yes, uh, the Skeksis. Not a lot of people have seen that too. I mean, hopefully they have because, you know, they did that whole Netflix spinoff thing. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I wanted to touch on it um, because I know that your work deals a lot with different types of, it's old. So, you know, one of the things that we focused on when I was tattooing you was um, elemental type stuff, Chinese elements, and oh, you yeah. mentioned heat when smoking. Is that part of like that older, like um, like the rumors and things like that? Like, like, um, like I remember in, at least in, I know this is Chinese, and I'm I'm definitely conflating them. But I know in like medieval times they had a concept of things where 
you know, there's too much heat or there's too much blood or there's too much, you know? Yeah, that comes from the Greek. So basically, here you go. Uh, this is the funny thing also I learned from my kid's uh, grandfather. Uh, he's tremendously uh, encyclopedic knowledge. And sometimes I'll call him up, just ask him a question. And I'll be there for like, yeah, I got to go. It's 10, 15 minutes later. Uh, one of the things about Werner von Braun, I'll tell you about that in a minute. Uh, so the he learned Latin when he was growing up. He's from Germany and he came to the United States in 1954. He was the first exchange student at Johns Hopkins um, that they permitted in their, um, I guess it was a fellowship program. Gotcha. And he became a urological surgeon. And uh, he was <clears throat> kind of mad because he'd wasted t his time learning uh, Latin, but Greek is the language of medicine. So Hippocrates, Hippocratic Oath, all that sort of thing. So they talk about the humors. And these, That's what it was, the humors. Yeah, yeah. Humors. So they, these are, uh, I guess, in the, you have an equivalent in Chinese medicine. And these are, uh, I guess you could say, variations on the elements associated with the organs. Now that seems like uh, a little bit of a brainful to digest, but let me explain. So... In Chinese medicine, you've got five major yin organs, yin and yang. You know the taiji, it's the, mm -hmm. uh, the circle with the, the black six with the white dot in the middle and the white six with the black dot in the middle. Well, that has a philosophy unto itself, which you could, you know, read about ad nauseum. It, you know, there's whole books written about it. But there are, uh, you've got the yin and the yang. So the yin you think of as female, it's uh, dark, damp, low, quiet, uh, you know, think of somebody curling up in a ball because they don't have any energy. And then you think of Yang, which is my, like my son. He's a seven-year-old boy. He won't shut up. He's got loads of energy, and he just has to jump off everything and shout a lot. So there's your yin and there's your yang. So my daughter is more the yin type. I'm more of a yin type. Uh, so it's not directly uh, correlative to your gender. Um, but... There's one thing here, and I'll just digress once again. But uh, young energy is supposed to be, well, it's something that we need to keep get up and go. So I had a, uh, a teacher at uh, grad school doing acupuncture, and we used to call t uh, coffee a chi tonic. Okay. So it, it's not technically a chi tonic because it's ergogenic, which means it stimulates your uh, adrenals and gets you up and going. Gotcha. So chi tonic is going to be more uh, regulated and adaptogenic, meaning that if you're up it'll bring you down a little bit and if you're down it'll bring you up a little bit gotcha. so it's not only you have too much coffee and you get burned out so you've got uh, <laughs> you've got uh, dehydration you've got adrenal fatigue and all that sort of thing uh, but with chi uh, tonics they nourish and regulate so it's an ongoing thing the chi that we, uh, the ginseng ginseng is a popular chi tonic and the one that we typically have these days uh, you've got American ginseng, Shi Yang Shen, and then you've got Korean Panax ginseng. So the American one, it's kind of weak, but it's more neutral. And the Korean one is very hot. So neither of them are really that good because you've got to take a bunch of the American one to get an effect. And the um, Korean one, it gets too hot. And we're in a society which is already too overstimulated. So you want to stay away from that one. Or the, the good ginseng, which is Runshen, is uh, from China, but they've all 
they've gobbled it all up and it's gone. It takes like 20 years for the, the root to mature. Uh -huh. So, you know, when you go into the gas station and it says ginseng, don't bother. Uh -huh. Yeah, but they have it right by the counter. Isn't that always the way? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, going back to the yin and the yang organs, you've got lung, heart, spleen, liver, kidneys. So the lung obviously is for respiration, heart pumping the blood. Uh, spleen is digestion and the western anatomical uh, or physiological function is uh, it stores the white blood cells for um, autoimmune response. Liver, which is it um, helps to uh, cl uh, cleanse your system and filter and uh, your kidney, which is the keystone of the endocrine system. And it's all about, uh, you know, diuresis, urinating, and all this sort of thing. So each of these, going back to the humors, remember the Greeks? Mm -hmm. uh, each of these has a spirit. And so these correspond to the Greek humors. So the lung has the po. So if we're sad and upset, we have an excess of po. Uh, this is mournfulness and grief. So when we're grieving, we're low on energy because your lung and your spleen combine functions to give your, uh, maximize your energy. And this is what ginseng, the old kind that you can't get anymore, goes straight to these two channels because you've got organs and each organ has a channel associated with it. Not going to get too complicated. But um, so the heart uh, spirit is called the shen. So if you're agitated or you're anxious, it's because you've got uh, an imbalance of shen. When people say your shen disturbed, it usually uh, alludes to mental illness or, you know, there's, let's say, a mental pathology or an imbalance in your mood associated with your consciousness. So, um, you know, there's the, the, the split. Here you go. Here's a great uh, tattoo. Uh, analogy as well so you know you uh, you did a wonderful a beautiful koi mm -hmm. on my right elbow and you know when I because I can't hardly see it because it's on the back of my arm but I love it and I look in the mirror I say oh there it is <laughs> and when people oh I love your tattoos I go well this is Amy this Amy did this and and it's so amazing because you know you've got the, the light through the water and you've got the the dots and the you know the, the spots of uh, orange and red on the scales uh, but that is the uh, symbol for je je is endurance oh, okay. and there's a story behind that and je is the spirit of the kidney so when your kidneys are in good shape you can go the extra mile you can do the gave david goggins uh, so his kidneys are probably world-class kidneys. Uh, but you also have to understand that all of these stem from the Shen, which is the heart. And his whole thing is that, you know, you have to use mental toughness to force your body to break through the 40% where most people tap out. So uh, the story of the Koi is that uh, in Japan, or I guess it would be China even, they... Uh, they have to go upriver to spawn. Mm -hmm. And in the, I think it's the Yangtze or the Yellow River, uh, they have to go through this rocky area uh, beyond which are the spawning grounds, and this is called the Dragon's Gate. And so they have to keep jumping and jumping and jumping, because they're not gonna spawn and procreate, which is basically their life's objective. 
until they get over the Dragon's Gate. And the story is that once they do get over the Dragon's Gate, they become a dragon, which is an angel. Gotcha. So, it, yeah, a metaphysical uh, manifestation. And so the point is that uh, we, you know, these days life is very challenging for a lot of people. There's a lot of nonsense going on. Um, and, you know, it's almost overwhelming at times. So what we have to do is look inward, focus, and uh, just keep moving forward, even if it's just one inch at a time. And that is about the je. So heart and kidney function together. Uh, so that's the, the mind, the shen, and the endurance. And there's your David Goggins. There's, I'll get a David, maybe I'll get a David Goggins tattoo. You do. Yeah. Well, you have both, too, because there's the one going up, yeah. and then there's the one coming down, yeah. which is kind of like more of like, I think... Prosperity, right? Yeah, and, and, and reflection and all of that. Like, it's, a, it's, it's just like a... Yeah, like you said, they've spawned. Yep. And now it can... Uh, enjoy. They sit on the couch. Yes. And eat some pizza. Are you somebody who likes to draw? Are you somebody who wants to draw better? Are you someone who tattoos? Are you somebody who wants to tattoo better? Well, then I recommend that you go to our special offer in our show notes of this podcast page. Our website is theapprenticeshipdiaries.com and on this page you'll find all our listed episodes. Within there, the show notes, there will be a link, TAD10. Click on there and find yourself 10% off a year's worth of the Reinventing the Tattoo Canon. It will make you better. Well, I mean, in some kind of sense, we're doing that right now because, like, you know, you're recording a lot of what you know, and like I said in... Um, the commercial whenever I go to you there's always just so much that I gain from this and I'm sure our listeners will gain so much because that's the thing is that like this is all very fascinating I always want to go through all of this with you whenever we're doing it I, I, I equivocate what John does to me is magic um, really? you know like just it uh, but you know what you're doing you know like you know what you're doing so well and uh, I'm sure it comes from which is another question I have. How long have you been doing this? Uh, I think it's 15, 17 years. I guess I started sticking needles in people 17 years ago. And I, re I remember you gave me a little bit of a run through of that, but I guess if you can share it with people, you start. You didn't start out with acupuncture. You started out with Reiki, right? Yeah, so I, this is about 2000, 2001. Uh, I lived in Los Angeles for 20 years. And uh, I knew uh, a guy called Colin, who's also from England. And when you're out of the country, you'll sort of gravitate towards your fellow men. And you'll either be immediately rejected or, you know, embraced into the fold. But anyway, he, uh, he was uh, a good guy and he, you know, he wanted to uh, introduce me to everybody. And his sister was in town for a few weeks on vacation. She lives in Cheshire in England and um, he asked me if I wouldn't mind because he knew I wasn't doing much at the time would you mind uh, you know showing around and you know she's house sitting for a friend and it's up in the hills and it's a bit scary so you know maybe you could uh, make sure she's all right so anyway I thought 
great. You know, uh, I, I have a, uh, a philosophy, which is uh, I'll always investigate whatever is put in my path. And, you know, I mean, if it doesn't work out, you can always walk away. But if it does, it's an opportunity, right? Waiting to be uh, embraced. So she was talking to me about this thing called Reiki. Reiki, energy um, medicine from uh, Japan. So uh, the system was Dr. Usui. Uh, he was a Buddhist monk uh, who created it. Anyway, uh so she was talking about, I didn't know what uh, she was talking about. I didn't even know what energy medicine was. I'd seen, you know, YouTube videos of Qigong and Kung Fu. And, you know, I'd wanted to be like Bruce Lee ever since I was about seven or eight years old. Of course, my dad, my, my dad had me do judo, oh, which is, awesome. well, yeah, I mean, it's, but it's not, it's not Kung no, Fu. It's, it's not, not that. It's not Bruce Lee. <laughs> no, no. And um, so, uh, you know, I, I didn't really say anything because I didn't want to expose my ignorance, but I also didn't really know what she was going on about, but she wouldn't stop. And then so I said, all right, what is it? And she said, well, it's easier for me to show you by practicing on you. And I have to practice anyway, because this was a first degree of which there are three. And um, so I said, go on then. And it was amazing. And I couldn't understand what she was doing. She was channeling energy into me and I could feel my fingers, uh, my palms and my feet, uh, soles of my feet tingling. And I was relaxed and I felt amazing. I mean, that, that was a period of my life where I just felt constitutionally restless, Ill, irritable and uh, just off balance or out of balance. And she did this thing and I just thought, that's ridiculous. So I said, well, you know, I mean, if you want to do some more practicing, I'm here right. and she did she did it every day and I, it was like an hour each session and wow. some of the times I just passed out and I I just had no idea what she was doing but I thought I want to do this um, so I found another guy and it was another English guy actually Jeremy Kennedy who was a former uh, I guess he was a music exec who hit the spiritual path and he started doing this, all this Reiki stuff. So I got in, attuned to the first degree by him. And one day I'm at home and she calls me up. And she said, I've just got my second degree. I'm like, oh, not exactly even sure what that, that's all about. Because I'm, you know, brand new in the game and a complete novice. And she said, well, there's something we do called remote healing or distance healing. I'm like, yeah, okay. And she said, what are you doing now? I go, nothing. She says, well, do you want to try it? And I go, sure, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I put my earphones on from the, I had one of those little Ericsson flip phones mm -hmm. that I thought was so cool. They were. They were. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's before that we got the whole smartphone nightmare. And um, so she said, well, just, you know, listen to me while I'm talking to you and just lie down on the couch or the bed or whatever. Anyway, so she's over... I'm in Los Angeles, she's in Cheshire, that's 6,000 plus miles away. Wow. And she's doing it in real time. She's working on me doing this energy uh, medicine. Uh, it's a modality that was I was brand new to. And so she was doing it from a distance while she was talking to me on the phone. And I could feel it the same as I felt it before, only it was stronger. Wow. So I felt it in my you know hands and all over my body. I just feel the energy just... You know, you can feel your energy channels. 
meridians and uh, it was amazing. I thought, oh, now I have to do this. So anyway, I got my third degree probably around 2022, which means I've, sorry, no, 2002. So that means I've been doing it for over 20 years now to the point where I don't even think about it. I thought this was a super hero skill and uh, that everybody should know about it and everybody was going to want to do it and I was going to become rich and this was going to be my job. And it didn't work out that way. <laughs> so I was working at Sony Pictures at the time and uh, I knew a lot of people because where I worked, everybody came through and said hi and everything and they could come by on their lunch break and whatnot. And uh, <clears throat> it was such a boring job that I decided I was going to learn everybody's names after the first time they came in. And that will surprisingly make you everybody's best friend automatically. Uh, you remember their name, remember one thing about them, and then they're like, oh, great, besties. You're cool. Yeah, yeah. So, and then I go up to them in the commissary and say, do you, do you want to try some Reiki? And they're like, what? So I'd say, well, hold out your hand. And I put their hand between my hands and they say, can you feel that? Yeah, what's that? It's energy. Well, it's tingling and it's hot. And I go, yeah, that's healing energy. And they're like, okay. <laughs> we're like, why yeah, is no, this but, is cool? Yeah, no, but. <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, anyway, so uh, we were watching uh, Sex in the City last night and chomp, chomp, chomp. But what about the healing energy? They're not interested. No one's interested. But here you go. And there was one guy called Tom. He worked in the special effects department. He was a good guy and is a little segue from him and sec but uh, I was talking to him and he was having a rough time and I'd heard about what the Reiki could do so it doesn't have any constraints with time and it's an energy that f it can be focused on anything and uh, he said that he was sick of his job he was in a relationship that didn't work and uh, he was just didn't know what to do. So I said, do you want to come and try some of this Reiki? And he said, I'll try anything, which is the winning answer. Because mm -hmm. when someone will try anything, it means that they're open mm -hmm. to something without a huge investment in the result. And so they're not going to be disappointed via over expectation. So he came over a few times to where I was living. He lived not far away. I lived in uh, just south of Hollywood. And uh, he came and we did a few treatments over a period of a couple of months. Uh, he got out of his relationship, he got a new job, he got a raise and he got, he found somebody else that was, you know, more appropriate to invest his time and self into. Wow. So that was a good success story with that. And he asked me he said, I want to say thank you because I didn't charge him for any of this because he was a guinea pig. And uh, so he said, well, I said, well, what do you, what do you mean? He said, do you want to, do you like music? I go, eh, not really. But it's live music. I go, eh, not really. Because I'm a massive introvert. I'd rather be at home alone watching, uh, reading a book. Right. And um, he said, well, I have a friend I'd like you to meet her. And which immediately scared me to death because I'm like, oh dear one of those situations and um obviously you have to understand that i've been living in los angeles for 20 years and i'm covered in tattoos and my kind of potential partner is the most the worst possible one <laughs> so we're talking about you know they work at night uh, on a stage and um for money mm -hmm. and it's 
not presented in a check, it's thrown at them on the stage. Yes, yes. But anyway, and I thought, oh dear, this is probably not going to be good. And I said, well, so what's the name of the band? He says, it's called The Dan Band. Have you heard of The Dan Band? I feel like, I feel like I have. Um, okay, well, like they're, they're on YouTube. And I said, well, can you explain to me what the band is like? And he said, it's best if I just show you. And so they, once again, the Reiki, the lady said, um, Corinne, still a good friend of mine, we're still in contact. My, uh, my original uh, Reiki Eskimo. Um, she said, well, it's best if I show you rather than I tell you. And he did the same thing. So I went to see the Dan Band and I think I saw them four times after that. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same show every time. But I would take other people and they would say, hmm, so who was this band all about? And I go, just come on. Gotta come. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, Anyway, it was hilarious. The band's really good, so I recommend. I don't know if they're still playing, but I think they're in. They're in. They were guest starring in the Wedding Singer with Adam Sandler. I feel like I have a poster of them from a client of mine who um, he does security. Oh yeah. Okay. I could be wrong. It's a really cool poster. I could be wrong, but well, it sounds familiar. Dan is dressed as a uh, gas station attendant. And he has uh, like a rag in his back pocket, which is his designated sweat rag. And he gets girls from the audience to mop his brow. Oh. And he's got two backup singers who are dressed like teachers. So they've got those houndstooth jackets with the elbow pads, the big uh, square rimmed yeah. glasses. Teacher glasses. Yeah, yeah. They look, well, my parents were both teachers. And so I've been, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, they dress the same. They dress the same. Yeah. So, uh, and so what they do is they sing diva songs. Oh. So, Genie in a Bottle, uh, Hold On by Wilson Phillips. Um, what else? Uh, Suzanne That's Vega. Great. And But they, they throw in expletives and all this sort of thing. And they've got this, the, the, the dance moves. And it's just... It sounds awesome. You should go see it. It sounds awesome. Well, you they're can see, still playing. Yeah, if they're still playing. Well, yeah. Well, you can see them on YouTube, captured yeah, yeah, yeah. for posterity. But uh, yeah, so anyway, the, that is how the energy medicine started. So I, refer, I realized that uh, the Reiki is going to be an impossible sell. And so I thought, well, what can I do to facilitate an in so that people have the opportunity to experience this? And so I thought, well, people can't really visualize the non-material, which is an opener to talk about. Mm -hmm. spiritual stuff but uh, so I said well but then they see a needle go into them and suddenly it's all very legitimate mm -hmm. which of course it is anyway but you don't have to explain necessarily what the needle is doing so backtracking just a minute I talked about the five yin organs and the spirits of the yin organs right. all right so if I didn't have the uh, the organs which we know just meat bags which have a function in your system to you know make your body work and we just talked about spirits people sort of their eyes start to glaze over and they lose interest well uh, think about just one needle being able to affect uh, the function of all of these at any one time and if you know the correct combination of you know 360 plus points right. uh, you're able to affect not one but uh, potentially all of these and plus their young counterparts so you've got a total of 12 uh, organs uh, to make someone feel better wow. 
So, uh, you know, the point of it is that people tend to identify better with something that is physical, touchable, in this term, uh, the needle, uh, rather than, you know, me just putting my hands on someone and doing it. And I don't think about it anymore. I just, I do it with every patient who comes in and it makes the um, treatment more effective and I don't have to explain anything, yes. which is perfect. Because unlike the impression that I might be given right now, my standard uh, operating procedure is not say anything at all. Yeah. We'll say very little at least. Yeah. No, totally. I'm, I'm sure, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an odd thing like that with, uh, with all of it, with people. But I feel like uh, the thing that I've always liked about holistic medicine is that it's very active about how you have to marry your, your consciousness with it in order for it to have a lot of potency because you have to actually, it's actionable. You didn't, you didn't fuck yourself up, you know, in a day. Mm. You fucked yourself up over a period of time doing the same things or a, a series of same things that got you there. So it was kind of like the same thing my mom used to ever always say to me, like, if I wanted to lose weight, she's like, well, you didn't get fat overnight, so you're not going to get skinny overnight. You're going to have to implore certain things, you're going to have to do certain things to get yourself to where you want to go, and it's going to be a gradual process. And um, whilst it, it might not be something that people appreciate, because like you said, they're just overstimulated they want everything now and a lot of the overstimulation is what has caused all of this delinquency and fucked upness if you if you stop them within like their everyday life and you say hey you know you want to experience Reiki or something like that they'll experience it but I think for them to appreciate it as something that they it's, it's kind of like spirituality, right? Like you gotta kind of be brought to your knees and you gotta be open and you've gotta be humbled within where you are. And if you meet somebody and, and, and they're interested but they're like kind of doing all their own thing and they're not desperate or they're not seeking or they're not, it, it, nothing's gonna happen, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I do think you're right with the acupuncture is that when there's a needle there or something tangible, it's easier to catch somebody into it because it's like, Oh, this pill will help you if you take this pill and it could be a placebo right right but it's just that getting somebody married to that to that ritual to that and then making time for it and like having them meet you in a space that is is kind of centered ground where you're all doing a thing together it's very odd how that is but it's that's that's what gets somebody back or um russell bram wrote the book on recovery yeah you know? You know, you're you're reatoning to your natural self or your natural state of being, but that takes kind of a a removal from all the rest of it and kind of meeting in a place where it's just focused. Well, that's I mean, I I agree one hundred percent. I do like Russell Brand. He sp he speaks very quickly though. Yes. So I like to listen to so people send me podcasts and I'll check it to see if I can play it at one point five two x because you I only hear any uh, downtime. Right. I don't want to hear any. Uh, you know, high noise to signal. No, no, thank you. Uh, I usually listen to stuff in the car and I drive to my lady friends and uh, she's an hour away and I gotta have like a good hour of stuff. It's an hour and 43, it's like, might not work. 
because I'm not going to get back to this on my way back. Yeah, no, no. And then they'll have like 15 minutes of nothing. Yeah. But um, so people are looking outside of themselves. And this is something Russell Brand talks about because he's a big fan of yoga. And sometimes it is necessary that we look outside of ourselves in order to return back inwardly. And so the needle, the focus on the needle is the gradual uh, opening to give us the opportunity to come back into ourselves because the ultimate healer of you is you. And one of the things that um, I mentioned to people is that who's the expert on your body? Well, it's you. It's not someone in a white coat. Uh, they're just giving their educated opinion. And one of the things that very much bothers me is when I've had people uh, come to me after they've been to a physician and they've been told, you've got so long to live. It's like, well, no, you don't decide that. No. You, uh, that's not your choice to make. And that is the wrong thing to say to somebody who is looking for hope, who is looking for inspiration, who is looking for that opportunity to be led inside themselves, to be healed by themselves. Right. So uh, here you go. And this is what I tried to, um, I'm not, let's backtrack. Never say try because what it gives is your subconscious the opportunity to crap out. Oh. It's your, uh, and this is something Goggins is a big fan of too. Don't say try, do it. It doesn't matter what you do, do it. So and, is Yoda. Yeah. Oh, he said that too. Oh, yeah. So Yoda got it from so Goggins? No or try. Goggins got it from do Yoda. Do or do not. No try. There is no try. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm a big fan of that. Um, I mean, I correct myself repeatedly, as I just did. But uh, so my daughter, I'm trying. There you go. I am introducing her to God and the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I thought I knew about the Bible having gone to a British, uh, through the British school system. So from six to 16, you have assembly every day. We've got prayers, hymn singing, and then you have religious studies, RK, religious knowledge, RI, religious instruction, RS, religious studies. And you look at the Bible and you go through all this stuff. And I thought, well, I know all about that. And I met this guy called John Richardson, who is a who is an artist and he's a musician. And uh, we met through a mutual friend and he uh, introduced me to the Bible. And we, he said, well, he called me on one time and he said, uh, well, do you want to meet? And I thought, well, as is my thing, if something is put in my path, I will pursue it mm-hmm. until the point where it is no longer pursuable. So I said, yes. And he said, oh, great, buddy. That's, uh, yeah, nobody does that anymore. Nobody does that. Nobody meets and talks. So anyway, I went to meet him and he brought this Bible out. And I go, oh, here we go. <laughs> You're like, it's going to be like this. And he's like, here we go. I thought it's Jehovah's Witnesses right there sitting at my, uh, at my table. But he said, no, buddy, no, no, no. And he showed me some parts of it. He showed me about the Jebusites, the Moabites, the Nephilim, the Anakin, the uh, Rephaim, King Og, the last city of Bashan, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. These are giants. And it's not hidden in the Bible. They tell you like King Og's bed was yeah. 15 feet long. It's like six cubits. Wow. So that's six times 17 to 20 inches, depending on which cubit you use. There's six variations. Anyway, I had to look that up. Uh, and then you talk about uh, David and Goliath. So David is a six-year-old shepherd boy. He was very handy with the slingshot. 
And then Goliath is a Philistine warrior. And he was six cubits in a span. So I was like, all right, let's look at that. He's 15 feet or 16 feet thereabouts. Because I'm not sure what a span is. Anyway, so um, if you've ever been down to the Inner Harbour, there's uh, Bol- uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Mm-hmm. So my kids used to love going there before they you know, grew a, a little old for it. And there's a, uh, a life-size model of Robert Wadlow. So he was eight feet and change. So I think yes. over eight and a half feet, right? Yes. I think and it's eight, six. Eight, six. So there you go. And there's a picture of him. I don't know if he's there. Maybe there's a dummy of Shaq or a cutout or something. <laughs> Just to kind of show you. Yeah, yeah. And I've actually seen Shaq in person. I was at um, one of those electronics stores, the good guys or something at uh, in uh, Brentwood. Or Century City, I can't remember. And I was with some girlfriend, one of the ones who worked on a stage at night, (laughs) getting money, not in check form. And um, of course, that didn't end well. It never does. But uh, we were looking at some sort of device. I mean, this was back in the day where they still had tapes. So who knows? But uh, And I saw this sort of dark shadow pass by me. And I thought, the hell was that? Is it? An, e- an eclipse, <laughs> and yeah. I turned around and there was Shaq, and the guy is seven feet two, and your brain does. I mean, he's not on the basketball court here, so I've seen Charles Barkley playing live, and he's what six, 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 eight. Yeah, he's tall. Uh, and then, but Shaq's even bigger, and he's That's seven two. And there you have him, and you see the racks, and you see yourself in uh, the in comparison to the size of the racks and all the electronics. And then there's this person, and your brain can't take it in. So there's a picture of Shaq, seven foot two, next to Robert Wadlow, which is N86, right? And he looks dwarfed because he's uh, a foot and uh, what, four inches. Well, Robert Wadlow, who only, I think he lived to about 21, uh, he he was eight six versus seven two, and he makes Shaq look like a child. Crazy. So imagine Goliath is tw- nearly twice Robert Wadlow's size. And I'm thinking, this has got to be a mistake. This has got to be nonsense. So I read some more stuff. I got the King, King James Version uh, because it's supposed to be the least muddled with in terms of translation. There's a guy called Ralph Ellis on YouTube. I mean, if you're interested in this, you can definitely uh, spend a lot of time listening to this guy. He's English also. Just to let you know. All right, so I had to, to stop you to pee. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that's fine. You were talking about David and Goliath. So, uh, Ralph Ellis. Yes. Uh, yeah, he talks about the King James Version. So, I have the PDF, so that means you can do uh, the search function. Mm-hmm. So, I look up uh, King Og. So, King Og's bedstead, six cubits, 15 feet uh, plus minus, right? And so then. I see that King Og is, he lives in a place called Bashan. So I look up Bashan. Bashan's actually in Syria, modern day Syria. And um, I find there's a book called The Lost City of Bashan. And so I find it, I download it, I read it. This is a city that is made for people who are about 15 or 16 feet tall. The doorways, the stairways, the all the rooms, they're designed for giants. Wow. And this is in the Bible. So John Richardson, he got my attention very clearly that day. 
and uh, he started talking about the Nephilim and their, uh, you know, the ritual blood sacrifice and their rampant fornication with, um, you know, family members, animals, whatever. It's just, you know, their representation of iniquity, the supposed fallen angels and whatnot. And that's a whole other rabbit hole to go down. But anyway, so I started trying to, uh, trying, I wasn't trying. What I did was I, I started explaining this to my daughter and, you know, had her add up the cubits. <laughs> and, uh, and I explained to her about what God right. could mean. I didn't tell her what it was because I want her to make her own decision even when she sees fit to. And um, this is why my son was a baseball practice. We were doing some pads and mitts on the side because why should we have to watch baseball uh, especially when it's you know practiced by six-year-olds and uh, so we practice she does Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu and uh, I'm doing some pad work with her to get her coordination sorted out and then we take a break so I start talking about God well what is God and she said well it's a creative force behind everything I go great that's a very good explanation of it because I don't think anyone can say much more than that and so uh, Friday is the first anniversary of a good friend's death. Mm. And in 2019, uh, my best buddy got murdered, shot to death. And uh, he was 31. And he left behind a pregnant wife. Mm. And uh, the next year, uh, another good friend died. He had a tumor. And he said he was in his early 50s. And um, they said, oh, it's just a tumor. We can get it out. It's not a big problem. Died on the operating table. And then uh, two years ago, my next best friend, uh, who's uh, psychic, who lived in uh, Los Angeles, and uh, he, he got food poisoning. Then he got a lung infection. And then he got some viral meningitis. And then he got kidney failure and then he coded and he died all within less than three months and he was in his early 50s as well and my uh, friend Dan whose funeral I went back to England to uh, attend last uh, October uh, was 46 and so you got five people one of whom was 31 one of whom was 46 and the other three in their, the other two sorry in their early 50s and then I said well your grandfather who is today living and breathing and functioning mentally just as well as, as he was 10 years ago I mean he shuffles a bit but for all intents and purposes he can do whatever he needs to do 92 and he's fallen off a horse once, uh, probably about 30 years ago. They said he wasn't going to make it. He lost his memory. Uh, it took him six months to re remember who he was. Wow. And then uh, 2015, we were living in Central America and had to come back because he took another nasty fall. And uh, they said he wasn't going to make it. And uh, they said it's not about if, it's when. He's going to be a vegetable at best. So, you know might be good to start getting his affairs in order so we got him home fed him up like properly did acupuncture on him and all that 92 almost like it never happened wow. so i said to my daughter god takes you when he's ready it ain't anything that you can do mm -hmm. i mean my friend brad who was a good he was a gun collector that was in uh, 2019 he had loads of guns 
and uh, he went into a marina uh, warehouse at Lake Saguaro and uh, he, I guess his girlfriend had gone to the car or his wife had gone to the car to go get the, um, the, his wallet to pay for the, the boat trip that they just took because uh, she was on rotation as an emergency doc out of town so whenever she would come back he'd uh, organize a like a date and uh, she heard some shooting and uh, that was that wow. he wasn't even armed he was just wearing a pair of swim shorts and that was it right off vacation with an emergency doctor right and she was the one that she said I'm the one who can help him the cops pulled let her in there anyway so you know, it's all very sad and it's very tragic, but the point of the story is that we don't decide, God decides, and you can... I have another friend, 2019, he was practicing to do an Ironman, I believe. He was a triathlete, pushing himself, pushing himself, pushing himself, in great shape, stopped drinking, eating healthy, didn't stop eating healthy, he was eating healthy. and. Um, one night he got a desiccated aorta so the aorta is a blood vessel that runs down the center of the body it's a very important uh, vascular canal and uh, so it just tore open he bled out and died in the night oh so he was in his 40s as well and so you know you can take care of yourself eat your vegetables and uh, go to bed early every night but it's not gonna save you when your time is Right, so uh, that's not to say, you know, eat pizza every night and get drunk, but... Um, I just pray that I won't say, oh no, or like, like right before, I don't want to, I don't want to have a revelation about how stupid this is, <laughs> you know, like that's, I would like it for my death not to be stupid. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh well. That's, that's my whole thing. I was like, God, please, if you could just, if I could ask one thing, don't, don't make it ridiculous. Like, <laughs> well, our, how about this? Our generation, we know Elvis Presley, right? We know, I mean, yeah. even growing up, he was a household name. Yeah. We died in 76, something like that. And uh, so my, do I showed my daughter a picture of, this is Elvis when he was young, and this is Elvis when he was not so young. So when he was wearing the big white Vegas suit with the sequins and the rhinestones and whatnot. And she said, is that the same person? I go, yeah. And I said, uh, do you know how he died? And she said, no, I go, he died on the toilet. She said, really? And she, she comments on it about every time I see her, which is <laughs> every week. And uh, there are worse, there are worse places. I mean, that, but that's, that's pretty, that's pretty personal. She can't believe it even to this day. He died on the toilet. She, she'll ask me, he died. Did Elvis really die on the toilet? I go, yes. <laughs> It's perspective. And I said, I'm not sure if this part is true, but I think he might have been eating a cheeseburger as well. I'm not sure about that. That'd be cool. I mean, that's that's a little less... Um, I mean, maybe it's worse. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that. It might be better. It might be worse. We're eating on the toilet, though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's a movie I saw recently. It's really not good, but it's not bad. It's cute. It's called Puppy Love. Mm. And um, there's this point where it's these two 
opposite characters, but they're destined to fall in love, obviously, and they're they're brought together by the their dogs, which is so improbable, but they they take this their dogs like really seriously, and um, the dogs knock each other up, so they're gonna you know the people that own them, they're like we're gonna be grandparents, but anyway they they don't like each other at least right off the bat, and you know you're the whole time you're like they're gonna get together but before they get together there's this one huge scene of where this guy he's very OCT OCD OCD and um, meticulous and just hyper vigilant of like germs and all of this and he like walls out on her and he's like I found your empty cereal bowl in the bathroom. Who the hell eats cereal in the bathroom? Who eats anything in the bathroom? <laughs> and I was like, I might have done it. Yeah. But I count my immune system being really good as a result of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like eating, you know, like, you know, getting kissed by your dog or like, you know, whatever. It's just yeah. being like, ah, I grew up in a farm, like around farm country and stuff, which is kind of a little less, I don't know, we're more comfortable with dirt. Right, no, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think that's a good thing. I mean, they say, you know, you get helicopter parents following their kids around with hand sanitizer. And there's, you know, I think seven ingredients in hand sanitizer, which are either carcinogenic or, um, you know, contribute to gene mutation or something like that. Now, man, I'm sure you guys are just on the edge of your seat waiting, straining to hear, because I know the audio was super exceptional by the end, <laughs> but I know you're all wondering what hand sanitizer has done to my body and you know what if you come back next week it isn't over yet we you know nobody's taking us out we're we're not eating hamburgers on the toilet seat here it all can continue next week and it does with john next week for part two of our time and this is a good time to note that i that i titled this episode kind of as a pivot off of the two sleeves that he has one of which that i helped him flush out uh, and, and get ready. But, uh, he has the full journey of the koi on both sides of his body. So I guess you can kind of ferret out what next week is going to be called. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not that clear, but I thought it was kind of fun. The other thing is that John's so amazing that I wanted to highlight him specifically because the release time of, of when you guys are going to hear this is not, um, as powerful as when it happened, uh, because John was so gracious and that's just how he is to remember what day it was. Uh, it was September 11th when we recorded this particular podcast and, uh, and he did such a beautiful sign out, uh, next week that, that I wanted to just preemptively shout that out because he remembered and I did not. And uh, that just kind of shows you what kind of healing power he has um, an ability to, I don't know, just, just recognize so much outside of himself. And he, he's just a beautiful person. So with all that being said, I am very grateful for all of you who have tuned in this week. 
Again, I hope I, I catch you next week. But in the meantime, God bless. Have an awesome, powerful week where you make a lot happen. And uh, yeah, I'll catch you next week. Love y'all. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to hearing from from our our listeners. listeners.